Welcome, my friends, to Deek Geeks, the podcast where two friends stalk their way through the Deek archives. It's Halloween in about two weeks. Three weeks? Too fucking sleepy for this shit. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm Mark. I'm Avery. Hello. And welcome to Deek Geeks. I don't give a shit about Halloween, but let's look at some Halloween-themed cartoons regardless, because fuck it, tis the season. I like Halloween. I really couldn't give a shit about it. (laughs) It's nice. It's the holiday that isn't themed around either love or family. Listen, it is not a case of I don't get it. I completely understand why people like Halloween. I just don't, personally. I don't couldn't give a toss <laughs> that's the long and short of it but regardless oh. we are going to be taking part in the season anyway one half of us cares at the very least you've made me sad now <laughs> why let's take a look at the spookies <laughs> <laughs> grow up your brass okay um what should we start with Oh, Christ. <laughs> Should we get the let's, short one or Let's the get the one? short one out of the way, because it's not, we can just go through this one quickly. It's Bump in the Night. Uh, now, if you listeners may remember, long-time listeners may remember that we covered the Christmas special Twas the Night Before Bumpy uh, last year, in fact, last Christmas even. It was the 63-minute episode that was normally comprised of three single episodes, which probably would have been the ideal way to intake it. But, um, yeah. Well, it's not even just three episodes, is it? Because most of these episodes are split into two separate stories. Wikipedia claims that the special was split into three episodes originally. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. It's still the length of about six normal plot lines. Yeah. And, uh, it goes pretty much nowhere within that entire span of 60 minutes. And we initially liked it because, ooh, interesting art style and that kind of thing. And there's some very interesting things going on with it. It's very striking. Then it striking. just went on and on and on. And that f- same feeling came back pretty much. It's impressive how you can keep the same level of extreme in your face for 20 minutes really doesn't feel like 20 minutes when you're watching it there is a single so much like a single what is it like 14 minutes short or something like that and it won't feel that long it'll feel like it's been half an hour you could watch 30 seconds of it and it'll feel like two minutes because it is such a breakneck speed and yet nothing happens despite it being breakneck speed I mean, and, mostly it's cartoon antics. Yeah, but it's not even good cartoon antics. The only notable thing is the art style, which is a magnificent art style. Oh yeah, it's fucking gorgeous. I mean, I, the the I mean, I assume that they're puppets rather than claymation. 
I mean, they're stop motion, but they seem to be kind of... Yeah, I think it might be a combination of the two. Yeah, they seem to be kind of... um, Rubber fabric base type. Yeah, I mean, I think certain characters are definitely claymation, I get the feeling. Maybe. Squishington definitely has that feel. Personally, I thought he was kind of layers of rubber. Mm. Certainly that's how they get the mouse to move. Yeah. Um, But it is stop motion, which is kind of weird because it's also live action. Yeah. Um, They combine live action stuff, the... The actual set is a live-action, actually physical set that they're playing around in uh, with these... I mean, if you don't know the premise, we haven't actually covered it on this episode yet. Uh, All right, Mr. Bumpy's a monster and he likes eating socks. Yeah, he's There you go, there's your fucking premise. Oh, he's the monster. It is a weird, gross, kinky monster who goes around eating people's dirty socks. Well, it's not... And also he has a friend who has a slime blob and is scared constantly. And also he has a girlfriend who is one of those weird dolls with the faces. Who is also seems to have a split personality occasionally, but not always. And then there's also other side characters, and we couldn't really give a shit about those. No, not really. Um, I think the basis of it is that Mr. Bumpy is the... Uh, Monster under the bed. Yeah. And is also the reason why your socks disappear. Yeah. That's the premise. That's pretty much it. Everything else is just hyperactive antics. The whole thing doesn't let the... It doesn't let anything rest for a moment. Ever. No. Uh, If Jim Cummings isn't shouting something, then it's not a moment of this show. And you would think we would like it because of Jim Cummings shouting stuff. And, you know, Jim Cummings doing daft voices. We love that shit. It's always good. I mean, prime example, Where's Wally? One of our absolute favorite shows that we've ever seen is fabulous in that show as the narrator. But here, he is grating. Yeah. There's not much wit to it, and it's so 90s in your face. And even down to the graphics packages they seem to throw at you, uh, between kind of the weird title stuff and some absolutely gorgeously rendered uh, 16-bit computer graphics stuff. Yeah, it looks like it was like generated on Amiga. It looks like... um... If you remember old school catchphrase episodes, it looks like the graphics that they would use on catchphrase. Yes. Kind of say what you see, what's Mr. Chips doing, except what's Mr. Bumpy doing. But- A lot of astonishing visuals, but they used, they're so heavily packed in, I guess, kind of this fear that if you give children a moment where things are not being flashed at them, they'll turn away to another channel. Mm. It all just becomes this melange of crap, really. It's like, you remember how Hey Vernet's Ernest was just kind of constantly throwing new shit at you, and none of that new shit ever meant anything or was ever really that funny? It's kind of like that, yeah. but somehow worse. It's as if, it's like Hey Vernet's Ernest, but without the pauses for punchlines. Yeah. I would probably go to so far to say that Haven it's in is funnier than this. Yeah. <laughs> it was more entertaining on so many different levels. Um, speaking of Jim Cummings' voice acting, by the way, nominated for an Emmy. 
for this show. Okay. Playing Mr. Bumpy in 95. Uh, a proper Emmy. Uh, yeah, an Emmy for voice acting. Yeesh. I mean, I, he's doing a stellar job. He's just doing a job in a show that's really great. Uh, anyway, we've like we've covered the uh, the voice actors before on the Christmas episode. If you want to hear us talk more in depth about this show, then uh, go back and listen to the Christmas special. I think it's in part one where we uh, cover Bump in the Night's uh, Christmas special. Or it might be part two. I don't know. Just go have a look, see. Um, we don't want to retread old ground here. And quite frankly, the less time spent talking about Bump in the Night, the better I feel. Um, so moving on to our second topic already, 10 minutes in. <laughs> going as fast as the uh, cartoon Bump in the Night here. Okay. Let's go on to something that we can actually discuss a bit more. Okay, so... We're talking about a group of ancient beings right? who are getting up to superhero things in a modern-day setting right? that they are in no way suited to. Okay. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, finally. We're no, getting no, on to it. They're not ancient beings. I mean, turtles are pretty fucking old, dude. I was thinking gargoyles. Oh, because this is basically... Oh, fuck yeah, we're going to see gargoyles, alright, yeah, this is let's ba- talk about gargoyles. But what we're actually talking about, because Disney produced gargoyles... Oh, but dude, ah, but you see, Disney this, owned Deke at some point. But ah. not this point. Oh. <laughs> what we are instead talking about is, of course, Mummies Alive. Oh, fine. Oh, okay, fine. Well... Where do we start? Okay, you know what? Here's a good starting point. The point, like, the, the first thing you see when you start it, which is the bloody theme tune. Good fucking lord, what a theme tune. Yeah, it's got a pretty solid banger of a theme tune. Absolutely wonderful theme tune. Um, created by the fucking dude who composed the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers theme tune, go figure. Yeah, Robin, uh... Ron Wasserman. That's his name. Uh, Credited as Raw. Raw. <laughs> it's Friday Night Raw. Um, yeah. The, I mean, if you want to list off a couple more of his uh, other well-known things, I believe he did the theme tune to Power Rangers SPD as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's been with Power Rangers from... Do Saban still have Power Rangers? Yes, very much In so. that case, he's probably still with Power Rangers because he is a house art, a musician for Saban. Right. Um... He co-composed the theme for the 1992 X-Men series. Yeah, okay. Which is... The, the iconic... Yeah, that's that's iconic. The, yeah. It's extremely simple, but it's... It's, yeah. It stood out. So, immediately off the bat, we have this amazing start on the right foot. This fucking legend composed a absolutely fantastic theme tune for this show... And, unfortunately, that's the best bit of it. Oh, well... At least for me. Yeah, um, I think after that point, everything sort of faltered. Yes. The... Let's talk about why that is. Well, the premise of the show is that these four mummies are awakened uh, to protect the reincarnation of their uh, pharaoh's uh, son. Rapses. Rapsies. Uh this kid this 
Yo, Roxy's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this uh, this kid um, turns out to have been reincarnated, supposedly, as the son of a museum curator. Bradley. Bradley? Was his name Bradley? It wasn't Bradley. Oh, I thought it, it was, was Presley. Presley. Look, I got three letters right. It's 1am. Leave me alone. I'm sleepy. Apparently they called him Presley um, mainly as an inside joke in the office. Uh, that joke essentially being that his father was Elvis. Great. But brilliant. Okay. And do you know why? Because of the city king. of Memphis. Oh. Good. I was figuring out because king. Pharaoh king. Well, that Pharaoh, also. Pharaoh king. Anyway. Hey, there's, they throw in a few jokes about it that were supposed to go over the audience's heads entirely. Mm. And not very good jokes. No. <laughs> Which is a shame. So, anyway, this kid is uh, suddenly joined by these four mummies who are protecting him from a evil villain called Scarab, who is the immortal being who sacrificed uh, the pharaoh's son the original time round to gain his immortality but was locked in a egyptian tomb for 3500 years and then they fight that's the premise and also there's a cat there's a couple of cats there's a couple of cats there's a cat that's in some bandages and it constantly makes the cartoon cat meowing noise and it's pretty good that's fair that's fair it's good um, noise um, i mean the, <laughs> if it was just the fight this would be quite a good cartoon no it wouldn't okay this it would, would have be... no substance if it was just the fights okay unfortunately it has more than just the fights and it still doesn't have any substance yeah uh, it would be a better cartoon if it had just the fights. Maybe, I think the yeah. rest of the content drags it down because when I mean, it's, it's just cliches and tropes, isn't it? When it's not dealing with cool anime-inspired fights with uh, mummies who power up with magic armor, it's dealing with kind of weird slice of life. Oh, they're ancient beings in a modern time. They don't understand anything. Ooh, they don't understand horseless chariots. Here's their car. Yeah, they literally have a fucking hot rod. Why did they... Ha- I believe it's called the hot Ra. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> which is a Sorry. terrible pun. <laughs> I mean, they're... they're <sighs> This is one of those ideas that really started as a uh, corporate, this is what the other guys are doing, we should do something similar. Because this is blatantly Gargoyles. I guess, but I mean... Gargoyles and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. it's, It's too far stretched out from the concept of Gargoyles for it to be a clone of Gargoyles. Well, that's probably thanks to the fact that they hired some decent people to try and make this as workable as they could. The director, Seth Kearsley, uh, was previously working with Disney on stuff like Timon and Pumba, uh, but had also spent a year on The Simpsons. So he was, whilst uh, he wasn't normally a director, this was his first show... 
he had some serious animation chops, and certainly more serious than a lot of the lot of the directors that Deke were using at the time had. And the team he put together included his script editor Eric uh, Leewald, and uh, I assume his wife Julie. They um, had been involved in the production of the X-Men animated series and in season three of Gargoyles. So they had literally hired a bunch of Disney people, including people who had worked on Gargoyles, to make their own equivalent of Gargoyles. Unfortunately, during production, whilst they started aiming for kind of the same audience as Gargoyles, which is kind of the more mature teen audience which you need kind of to build a mythos and a world, a mythology, plot lines and so on to get. Uh, during production, it kind of started to skew lower, i.e. towards people they could specifically market toys to. So it went from being a show with uh, this sort of gravitas to it to being this slice-of-life goofball comedy about mummies. Oops. Yeah. That's pretty much what happened here. So, it started out promising, and then... There are interesting elements. Uh, There are some very interesting designs. There's a lot of over-design going on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's kind of a case where I saw, like... Maybe two designs that I liked. No, three. The first one was the cat that's just wrapped up in bandages. It's just a cat. Yeah, for some reason they have a cat. Well, I suppose they have to have a cat. It's ancient Egypt. Yes, it's an important thing. But uh, the other thing was uh, Scarab's kind of sidekick and assistant of sorts, which is just a cool golden snake, which is a chill friend. Yes, it's kind of the snake staff. I mean, I assume it's an accessory that comes with the toy. It's a staff that turns into a snake, much like um, Jafar's staff in uh, Aladdin, but with an actual character of his own. Yeah. Which seemed fun. Let me guess, is your third one the Devourer of Souls? Uh, no, but she's very good as well. Yeah, it's part crocodile, a... part hippo, part lion. Yeah, it's the weird Gotta dog. Gotta love Egyptian mythology. It's the weird dog. Uh, no, my third one was the generic henchman dudes of Scarab, but the one specifically dressed up as a bodyguard. Oh, right. This ominously gold man that's just <laughs> staring blankly with cool shades on. Right, yeah. Some of Scarab's henchmen are essentially putties from uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. They're just rock dudes. They're statues of ancient Egyptian guardsmen, which gives um, the opportunity for the uh for our main characters to do some pretty brutal fighting yeah certainly if they were living beings you wouldn't be able to completely eviscerate your enemies in the way uh on children in this way on children's television mm-hmm. uh which means that for the first for the first episode the fighting is really impactful and quite well done unfortunately then then adds characters who are also alive and therefore uh it tones down very quickly do you have anything more to add um because i don't have much more else 
I mean, I, I, are the main characters, um, well, Presley's just some kid, so we can ignore his design. Uh, the big guy, can you remember any of the characters' names? They were all a bit complex. Nope. Uh, Armon. Armon, who is the big guy, you know, the same big guy in any fighting group in cartoons, uh, He's kind of the goofball one, eats too much. I liked the fact that he only had one arm when he wasn't uh, in his armor. Yeah, I mean, I think interesting little design touches that you only a, really notice. Yeah, it's this very cool design touch. The fact that part of his magical armor is literally uh, the replacement of an amputated arm. I thought that was a very cool design and probably makes for something very cool on the toys. But everything else is so over-designed that you can't quite tell what's going on with it. Mm. Um, because, I mean, it it ultimately has to be over-designed because they've got to show you bandages and then another layer on top of the kind of the initial bandage designs. Yeah. And it's all kind of visually messy. It's. It could have been better, but I mean, as cartoons of this era go, it's pretty well animated and it's pleasant enough visually. I thought it was okay on that aspect. It's quite early for an American cartoon to be this anime inspired as well. Uh, yeah, I believe in 1997. I mean, the sort of look that you get from this with kind of transformation sequences and just kind of the art style in general wouldn't really come into vogue in American animation until the early 2000s, really. So, shall we talk about the characters? Are any of them worth mentioning? <sighs> Didn't we just talk about them? Uh, we talked about the designs. I mean, we mentioned names. Uh, I mean, we mentioned uh, Armon. Uh, okay. He's he's some dude. <laughs> Great review. No, it's voiced by Graham Kingston, who doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Uh, I believe Graham Kingston is a magician. Great stage magician. Okay, that's. Um, but you've also got Jarkel, who is generic leader dude, uh, voiced by Dale Wilson. He is a jobber. Wrath. Uh, who is the intelligent one, by which we mean he talks in kind of an English accent and uh, go about things. It's They don't really stick out from each other enough. It's the problem of all these series, really. Even when you've got kind of these um, definite moulded characters like this... Given the first couple of episodes, there's nothing to latch onto aside from their base stereotype, is there? Not particularly, They're no. They're really cliches. Uh, he's voiced by Scott McNeil, who uh, I believe was uh, the voice of Wolverine in X-Men Evolution. Okay. Uh, may have also been... Uh, Piccolo and uh, Fusion Boo in the Dragon Ball Z dub. Okay. Margin uh, Boo. Margin Boo. I don't know fucking Dragon Ball Z. 
I knew it up to a point. I read the manga. Well done. Because I got seriously bored for a period of time. And I went, I'm going to read Dragon Ball. And then I fucking read Dragon Ball. Uh, you've got Nefertina, who is the girl. Yeah. Literally, just the girl. I mean, we, we talk about it every time this happens. This is just a character trope of, here is the girl, she is kick-ass. Look at our kick-ass girl. That she is, is her only character She is not going to be getting trait. an action figure. I mean, technically she did get an action figure, but it was in season, series the Series 2 action figures for Ooh. this season, uh, which didn't come out in the States at all. Great. Good job. Only available in Europe. Welp. Uh, she's voiced by Cree Summer. Who is Cree Summer? Hi, Cree Summer. Back again. I mean, do we do we have many episodes where we don't mention Cree Summer? She's basically the voice of Deke at this point. <laughs> she really is. Uh, finally, the only real uh, character of note, Scarab, the villain. Uh, voiced by Gerard Plunkett, who again is a very minor jobber. I really like this character's voice. Even if it is basically the same as the Shadow Leader or Shadow Master or whatever his name is in um, Double Dragon. Fairly similar, yeah, but definitely different uh, different folk. A little less uh, camp. Mm. It's kind of uh, understated in the right way. Yeah. And I liked him as a villain, but there's not really much to say because he is such a generic cartoon supervillain. So I guess once again we don't have a great amount to say. It's these action shows of this time; they're all pretty generic. They all have the same sort of. Uh, padding in the form of kind of day-to-day life stuff they all try to be teenage mutant ninja turtles and fail to get that balance of comedy and action um this is essentially it's quite a lot like deke's battletoads a little bit and i mean in the sense of it being animal-based superheroes who just kind of go about doing cartoon antics until there's a fight. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even mention that they're animal-based, but they're animal-based. Each of them has an animal style to their design. (sighs) So how are we ranking this one? Okay, let's start with Bumpums. Okay, starting with Bumpums. My comparison shot was Hey Vernet's Ernest. It's the worst Hey Vernet's Ernest. So let's yeah. start there. Okay. <laughs> so above that puts Hey it Vern, pretty low. Above Ernest, we've got New Archies. Below Ernest, we've got Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. Now, Ooh, Hey Vernet's Ernest Slimer is 31. Version. Slimer version is pretty fucking bad. We are talking the bottom of the barrel with this stuff. I think it's better than Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. I will give you that. I but it's not as sure. good as Haven and it's Ernest. No, which, which is a phrase that I thought neither of us would <laughs> ever have to say. But it is true. Yeah. It... Uh, Haven and it's Ernest is miles better than this in many ways. 
I still have a fond spot for that show. I'm going to be super honest. <laughs> to be honest, I bet the movies are pretty decent. Oh, God. Please don't make us watch them. <laughs> <laughs> I might want to do that. Oh, dear. I mean, that's quite a fun idea for Halloween. Just make you sit through earnest films. Tell you what, if it's going to be Halloween... Not that it's something we can do on this podcast, but in a scared stupid is a thing. True. That has to be Halloween viewing. So how about mummies? How about mummies? Um, what's our? What's going to be our uh, comparison point? Well, it's like Battletoads, but that was a one-off, so I don't think we have that listed in the same. It is, and it is in the. Uh, oh, it's, it's in the main. Okay, uh, where did we rank that? 14. That's pretty high. We did. We quite liked Battletoads. It was pretty decent. Okay. I mean, there's obviously it's not as... It's not as good as Battletoads. It, it kind of drags it, on in a yeah, way that Battletoads it really doesn't. Does. Uh, below Battletoads, we have the real Ghostbusters, which, nope, real Ghostbusters is way better than this. It's quite comparable to real Ghostbusters. Oh, it's another bloody Ivan Reitman production. That's why it's comparable to ah. real Ghostbusters. It has a similar feel. Right. Including the starting off at a point of being quite mature and then just getting yeah. worse. It's just fast. How about added. we, we put, put it below real Ghostbusters on that Definitely point. below. Uh, Sabrina the Animated Series. Oh, below. Captain Planet. Ooh. Hmm. Captain Planet drags on a lot. Yeah. Captain Planet is very bad. I'm surprised it's this high, to be quite honest. The heroes in this definitely are more useful than Captain Planet. They most definitely are. The kid doesn't have to constantly save himself. Yeah. (laughs) This doesn't preach about anything awkwardly. Mm. Doesn't have celebrity voices, though. It does have better music. You know what I heard about the celebrity voices in Captain Planet recently? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted Turner basically managed to convince uh, the government that an appearance on Captain Planet could be viewed as... Um, uh, da, 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 what's the word? Uh, public service. So people with mi- celebrities with minor drug offences could appear once on Captain Planet... And that would account for their community service. For fuck's sake. Oh my god, Which is how that worked. Oh my god, Ted Turner, you absolute legend. Brilliant. Utterly genius. What a fucking legend that dude is. Holy shit. Because it was all a PSA and therefore counted. The strings that guy pulled, man. Anyway, yeah, above Captain Planet. Fuck it. Okay, above Captain Planet. Yeah, that's fair. So, it's not awful. It's it's not awful. It's watchable to a degree. It's just very generic. Yeah, yeah. Slightly better than generic, but not much. So number seventeen is Mummy's Alive now, and number thirty-three is Bump in the Night. Cool. Well, that should be us done for our first of two Halloween episodes. Which, of course, will jinx it. Now that we've actually said we're going to do another Halloween episode. (laughs) Everything that could possibly go wrong will go wrong. What were we even planning for the second one? 
uh deke made a straight to tv or straight to dvd it was one of the other movie uh i think called monster oh mash my god monster mash right whether it's licensed from the song i mean it has to be it's called monster mash it's gotta be there's no way it's not God, right. So you've got that to look forward to. Oh, man. Okay. Well, fuck it. See you next time. <laughs> As ever, we're in the usual places. iTunes. Mainly iTunes. It's still Halloween. Balls to it. Mostly Kobolds.com. Yeah.